Amen. I want to thank you all for braving the weather and coming out tonight. I'm not going to stand here very long. I just wanted to take a second for those of you that don't know my dear friend Brian Opbrook. I wanted to just present uh, a man of God that uh, and pray another day. What about the services tonight? He laid Brian on my heart and I don't have a clue what God's told him to share with us tonight, but I know the Lord had me to call him and ask him if he could break the bread of life to us. So Brian, come and bless us, brother. Amen. Can you hear me? All right, I'm on. Well, I feel like I'm at home because I'm looking around and seeing um, family. I did not know that my family was going to slip in, so... Uh, I have, my wife is here. You guys turn around and look at her. Don't look too long because she'll knock you out. But you got to stand up, baby. They don't know who I'm talking about. Yay. So we, uh, we just celebrated our 25th uh, wedding anniversary. And in those 25 years, yep, we made four really beautiful daughters. And two of them are here too. So you guys stand up. That's my second and my fourth. Second and fourth. My first, my first one lives in Florida and works for her alma mater down there um, at a Christian university. And we'll be working on her master's degree there. My third one, our uh, little redhead, is in Australia at Hillsong College. And so um, the Lord gave uh, me a verse after the fourth one had been born from Acts chapter 9 that says this same man had four maiden daughters who prophesied. And so it's, I printed it out on a piece of paper and had it in my office. And to this day, I can still say that my daughters grew up and still do love the Lord more than I do. It's funny. I, know, I don't know if you can love Him much more than me. But they're more faithful. You know what I'm saying? They're just wonderful, godly people who indeed prophesy everywhere they go they can uh, bring the word if they're called upon so I'm here with family but I'm also here with um, people I go way back with I told Judy and Rusty I'm glad to see them because now I have somebody to shout at and so thank you for being here I did want to introduce just in case because this may be important to some of you there's a young man over here named Rowdy with three of his friends from Eagle Creek Recovery Center just out to the west of us who, um, but Rowdy, can you stand for us for a second? Right. Rowdy is um, one of the directors at Eagle Creek. And if you don't know um, that ministry, it's an addictive recovery program. And so if you know anybody struggling with addictions, family member or a friend of the family, and they need a place to go, uh, he'll be here after service. You can get his number and you can send him to Eagle Creek Recovery Center right out in Karnak. Is it Karnak? Where? Yeah, in Karnak. And then they, they come to all the services out at Shreveport Community Church, which, by the way, is where I'm from. Been at Shreveport Community Church since 1986 and been on staff there since 94 at our school in 98 um, as the senior adult pastor and the singles pastor. And now I'm pinch hitting for the youth um, until the Lord sends another shepherd. And so. We're uh, just working hard over there to, to serve the community like you guys. And I'm just so grateful to be here. I, uh, he said he just, the Lord just told him to call me, but I actually had to work hard to get this spot tonight because 
the Lord had to work out all these details, and I'm not going to waste your time, but if you don't believe in providence, uh, how, how many mornings was that ago, Pastor? It was uh, Tuesday morning. It was Tuesday morning. I was um, on my way to get my hair did in Wascom with Johnny, and, um, and I never ever, number one, I never have morning appointments with Johnny. But he called me three times the day before to reschedule because some of you ladies were probably moving your appointment around. And so by the time he narrowed it down, he said, Brian, can you just come at 845 tomorrow? Oh, sure, I'll come at 845. So I leave to go to Johnny's and I'm going to be a little bit early, which is contrary to my normal uh, arrival. And I stopped by Home Depot first because we have fruit flies at the house and I need to get a little fruit fly catcher. So my goodness, I didn't realize the Lord had sent me fruit flies just to get me here too. And so I go and get the fruit fly catchers and on my way out of Home Depot, I'm thinking I'll just take a left on Pines and get on I-20 to get out to Johnny's quicker. But somehow my car took me to 70th, so I, okay, I'll just take 70th all the way. So I turn right on 70th. Lo and behold, there's an 18-wheeler backing into Barnhart Crane there. And so they're right across the, the way, and all the traffic is backing up. So I'm about to get to Broad Acres, and I think, well, I'll just take a ride on Broad Acres. So I do. There, so there's your third or fourth piece of providence, because when I get to the end of Broad Acres right next to the radio station, I'm looking down at the stop sign, and right on the yellow stripe there is a cell phone. And so I'm like, oh... I think about just leaving the cell phone because these people are probably going to come back and want their phone. But I pick it up anyway, and the last call on it was from a dentist. And so I forget that you can just swipe and call the last call without needing a code. And so I was going to take it into the radio station and ask Jay Watley if he'd just make a game of it and say, hey, we found a phone. But then I remembered I could swipe. So I swiped and I said, hey, is this Dennis? And he said, yeah. What are you, you like, what are you doing with my wife's phone? <laughs> so, well, we can talk about that later. No. I said, well, where are you? And uh, no, he said, I said, can we get together? And he said, where are you? I said, I'm headed to Wascom. And he says, well, do you know where the cowboy church is? And I said, is this Dennis Aaron? And so that's why he invited me to preach. Because I walk with God. <laughs> and he... And he uh, took me to his wife's phone, so Pastor Dennis owed me to finally let me get here. But my final acknowledgement, um, besides the fact that I need to give a shout out to Calvin and Gloria and Miss Joyce, and if I say everybody's names, then I'll be here all night. But I do have to say thank you publicly to the one man who's actually responsible for my worthiness to be on this stage, because how many years ago, I don't remember Terry, but Terry Pipes called me one day and said, Brian, you need to meet me over at the boot shop because you need you a couple pairs of boots. And so this is probably 10, 12 years ago, huh? And uh, these are still shiny. The soles are a little bad, but I, have, um, but I have $50 set aside that Pastor Durrell gave me. And uh, Durrell gave me $50 and said, go get your, your boots resold, Brian. And so one day I will uh, when he pulls strings hard enough up there to get me moving. But um, anyway, I said all that maybe just so you would know that I really am from here and maybe you could trust me. Is that okay? Because I'm going to bring the word to you. And 
I'm going to read to you from John chapter 1, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray. But, but before we do all these old songs... David, I had to say this too, man. I know we're not allowed to say rock and roll in the cowboy church, but man, that, that voice you were using on that last song was rocking. That was very nice. And the whole music set uh, worship team was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in. Um, but speaking of songs, uh, to kind of segue into this scripture I'm going to read, have you ever had that experience where you listen to a song that you knew 20 years ago when you were a kid, or maybe 45 years ago when you were a kid, but you knew the song and now you're listening to it on the radio and you say to yourself, is that what they said? Because when you were a kid, you heard something entirely different in that song. And then suddenly now you know what it says. I remember one of my friends, I heard him singing, Jesus is a lighted well. You remember Jesus is alive and well? Which you guys probably sing here every now and then. I heard him, he said, Jesus is a lighted well. And I said, what are you, you're saying lighted well? And he said, yeah, he's a lighted well, right? Like it's lit up and you can find your way. I said, man, it's Jesus is alive and well. My point is that sometimes we can misunderstand things and not even know for years and years because each of us has our own perspective. And when you're a kid and you're hearing a rock and roll song, hopefully you don't know what they're talking about, right? And then 20 years later, you sit, you're driving down the road with your own kids and going, oh, I think I'll change that, right? Because you finally have the perspective where you can see some things. We're going to read a passage in the Bible where a man's perspective changed, and we're going to look at the reason that it changed, and I hope that it blesses you. So let's read it, and then we'll pray. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip and Nathanael, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Can we pray? Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your ability to change our perspective, to grow us, to move us, and to help us as we hear Your voice whisper deep within us who You really are. I pray that You would help this Word be a blessing to everyone here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I want to get on with the message, but uh, when I was reading the passage of Scripture, it reminded me of one more 
uh, hello that I was supposed to make, and that is my producer who's here, uh, Nathaniel Hooten. I call him my producer because I wrote one song, and um, and my daughter who's in Australia recorded it for me in Daniel's, I mean Nathaniel's studio, and uh, we're real proud of it. But anyway, thank you, Nathaniel, and you're an amazing worship leader. So anyway, here we just read that passage, right? And many of you are familiar with that, that Nathaniel is being called to come see Jesus. And when he hears about Jesus, his first reaction is, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, point number one that I notice in this passage is that how you see him can be skewed, even if you're a good person. We know a little later in the passage, Jesus testifies that he's a good person, and that'll be another point. But you need to hear this, that how you see him can be skewed. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been walking with Him, how you see Him can be skewed, even if you're a good person. Nathaniel's view of Him was skewed by a lot of things that Nathaniel didn't even know why. And normally, if your perspective is off, you don't know that it's off, right? And you have no idea why it would be off because you don't even know it's off. But we can look into Nathaniel's life and see why his perspective was off Nazareth was not the place the Messiah is supposed to come from. So it's not like Nathaniel was wrong, right? Because he's thinking, if the Messiah really does show up in our day, I don't remember anything saying that he's from Nazareth. Now, if he had the New Testament, he would find out that Matthew found an obscure scripture in Isaiah and quoted it in Matthew saying that, at one point in the Messiah's life, he will come from Nazareth. But that scripture, I mean, even if he hadn't come from Nazareth, you could have left that scripture alone. It's almost like Matthew was just pulling it and saying, see there, he could come from Nazareth. But the facts of the day said, he's not coming from Nazareth. He'll be from Bethlehem. His mom and dad even tried to make him be from Bethlehem, but the Lord insisted that they go back to Nazareth. And so it's interesting how the fact that he was from Nazareth was a fact. And the fact that that negates his ability to be the Messiah also seems to be true. And so Nathaniel's perspective is off base for some biblical reasons. Are you with me? And, and I am here to deliver to you tonight that some of your even biblical ideas about the Lord could be a little skewed. Now... I'm going to use just a little example that I hope doesn't offend you entirely, um, but it shouldn't because this is non-consequential theologically. But all of our lives we've heard that Jesus told Peter that you'll deny me three times before the cock crows, right? And in that passage of Scripture, what do you imagine every time? A cock crowing, right? The rooster crows out. Every movie that's ever been made about him has the rooster crowing when Peter denies him three times? Well, a deeper look into that passage, people are beginning to realize actually that roosters weren't allowed in the big cities in those days anyhow. And that passage, if you read it from a Hebrew perspective, the rooster crowing was really the temple crier. And so Jesus was saying, before the temple crier comes out and announces that it's prayer time, you will have denied me three times. Now, 
the reason that would offend you is because you still remember being in Sunday school and memorizing and thinking, hey, that was a rooster crowing. And now every time you watch like the greatest story ever told, you're going you're gonna to say, that preacher's got to be wrong. There's no way it's not a rooster because my, my pastor said it was a rooster long ago. And that's okay. But my point is this, just that little thing we've got a bad perspective on, possibly, maybe it really was a rooster, and maybe these new theologians are wrong. But the point is, we can see some things wrong. Um, Nathaniel, what he was about to find out, is that we're often wrong when what we've sought with God is only intellectual pursuit. There's some a very interesting passage that Paul points out when he says that the letter of the law will actually kill you, but the spirit of the law brings life and peace. So I, I don't want to hit this too hard on you, but I've sat with people across my desk who've read the Bible all their lives but still think God hates them. They've read the Bible all their lives and still think that God's holding them at arm's length. I'm glad to have heard that song about the Father's heart today because... Because you need to hear the Father's heart. But I'll, I'm here to tell you, there's enough people in this room. I know that you're one of those people. Some of you are one of those people. Every time you read the Bible, you're seeing some negative view of God that almost drives you away from Him. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that, that perspective could be skewed. And it may be because the letter of that Bible, the letter of the law, just read for what it seems to say right off the page, can sometimes kill. And you've got to look into the spirit of what God was saying. There will come a day, Jesus said, and He said it has already arrived, that those who really worship the Lord will worship Him in spirit and in truth. They will understand Him in their hearts and not only in their minds. Nathaniel was about to find that out. Because in his mind, the Messiah could not come from Nazareth. Right? You know, three other fellows in the Bible who figured this out, and their figuring it out brought some damage to the world. We're the wise men. We're about to celebrate Christmas. And you guys know the wise men were really on a good path, right? And they were incredibly smart. I mean, the Bible calls them magi or wise men. So they knew what they were doing. They had looked at the stars. They had studied history. They knew what the stars had to have mean, meant. And if that big star was lined up over Israel the way it is, it must mean that a king has been born. And so they went on a journey to get there. But what did their intellect tell them? Their intellect told them if a king was being born, he'll be born in Jerusalem. So we need to go talk to the king because they must have had a son. Well, this is what using your mind to get close to God will do to you or to all the children in the neighborhood. Because those wise men go to Herod, and you guys know the Christmas story, the bad side of the Christmas story. He gets angry and says, what are you talking about? A baby's been born? A new king's been born? Because my wife hasn't had a baby. And as it turns out, he sends his soldiers out and kills all the children that are two years old and younger. Now you're talking about some men who were in pursuit of God, but they trusted their minds instead of their spirits, and it led to other people losing their lives. So Nathaniel, I'm glad that he figured this out, and I'm glad that what happened happened so that um, we could figure it out and walk with God, because here's what happened to Nathaniel. Suddenly he saw what Jesus thought 
of Him. Now, my point number one was that how you see Him could be skewed. But point number two is that how He sees you is absolutely true. He's not wrong about what He says of you. He's not... In, and I tell you, when you read through this passage the first time, and you know that he actually just three minutes earlier was talking bad about Jesus, and then Jesus walks up and says, look, that's, a, that's an Israelite in whom there's no guile. Now, I want to stop Jesus and say, Jesus, hold on, I know you're, you're all-knowing and everything, but do you not know that he just, he just completely criticized you? He just completely discounted all of your ministry? Do you not know that about this man? But Jesus, looking deep within the man, was able to say, that's a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. Something about that changed him. And we're about to see it pretty clearly. But I want to tell you tonight that everybody called by God eventually has to hear him Tell him what they really think of him. Um, one of the worst characters, in my opinion, in the Bible is the guy Lot. I, I don't know about you, but when I read the story of Lot, he, he's a bad guy to me. The number, he, he chooses the better land and makes Abraham go off and get the dry stuff. He, I don't even want to talk about how he treats his daughters in the horrible story where the men and everybody's coming to his door and wanting to do horrible things. And what enters his mind? I'm saying to myself, Lot is not a righteous fellow and he deserved to go down with Sodom and Gomorrah. But when Peter writes of God's perspective of Lot... It's so incredible to me. Peter writes and says, When righteous Lot saw what was happening in his town, it vexed his righteous spirit. And I was like, man, God, you see something in Lot that I don't see. And this is what I need you to hear tonight. God sees something in you that maybe even you don't see. You know, David was just a shepherd boy. But somebody saw a king in him. And it was God. Because when, when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons, he went through the whole lot of them and, and thought, this one's handsome, this one's got to be him. This one's tall, this has got to be him. And each leg of the journey, God would say, no, that's not him, Nope, that's not him. And thank God Samuel could hear, because they ran out of sons and Samuel was still honest, none of these is him. Until finally he said, do you have another son? And the, even the dad is saying, yeah, but I mean, he's the ruddy little kid out in the field watching the sheep. And Samuel says, ah, yeah, you see a shepherd boy, but I see a king. And so here's what I want you to hear tonight. Um, you need to know that God sees you and He sees who He thinks you are. And you may not feel incredibly righteous, but what Jesus did on the cross for you makes you incredibly righteous in God's eyes. And when he meets Nathaniel for the first time, here's the most intriguing part, and I hope that this touches you, because this is what won Nathaniel over. When he says of Nathaniel, he's got a pure heart, that's really neat. But then he says to Nathaniel himself, when Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He says, oh, because I saw you under the fig tree. Or under the... Was it under the fig tree? I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel, I don't know what was going on under the fig tree, but Nathaniel does. You, I have no idea what was going on, but it was something bigger than something I know. 
because he was going through something. Because when somebody says something to you that benign and yet it changes your life forever, you were going through something. And here's what I want you to know tonight. Not only does Jesus know who you are, but He really does see where you are. He really does see what you've been through, what you're going through, and He even sees what you're going to go through. And He loves you all the same. And nothing about His opinion of you changes on your credit score going up and down. Nothing about His opinion of you changes in one day and out the other or ebbing and flowing like the tide. Now your opinion of yourself probably does. And the way you need to beat yourself up over the head because you failed Him this time, okay, you need to beat yourself up over the head. If that's the way you do it, then go ahead and do it. Be depressed a couple days and then come back to joy. But realize this, when He sees you, there's something going on in Him that brings Him great joy that brings Him great energy, brings Him great life, to know that somebody on this earth has at least acknowledged that He's the Son of God. Somebody on this earth has acknowledged that He's resurrected. Somebody, I don't, whether you sinned yesterday or not, you are one of those somebodies that He's been able to trust to make a confession of faith. When He sees you, He sees that. And it brings Him great joy. And I hope you can hear it tonight because I don't know what your fig tree is. I don't know what it is. I don't know how depressed you've been, but I know by and large our people are depressed. I know that I've been depressed enough that I've written a new song, Nathaniel, with some pretty depressing lyrics that I hope that the last line at least will bring some, some hope to people. But it didn't come because of all my counseling situations with other people. The lyrics to that song came because there have been times that I felt so down on myself and down on the situations of life that there's even one time I like asked Siri, I was like, okay, so I feel like this, I feel like that. How depressed am I? You know what came up next? Call the hotline. <laughs> Siri sends me the 800 number. Call the hotline now. I'm like, okay, I believe I need to go talk to Jesus because surely He sees me under my fig tree. And He's seen you under the fig tree. And I'm about to close with this because this is what happened to Nathaniel when he... I, again, I, I wish I could stress to you the moment. I wish you could see it in a movie reel or, or maybe from his perspective. If we could be right behind Nathaniel and if we could have been with him under the fig tree and know what he was worried about, know what he was going through. And for him to walk out from there, have somebody that he just criticized win him over by saying to him, well, I mean, I know you because I saw you under the fig tree. And then he goes, wait a minute, nobody knows what I'm going through. You. This is, now, we give Peter credit. And here we're changing to point number three. But we give Peter credit for the great confession in Matthew 16 when he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father gave that to you. Well, even before Peter... Here you have the story of Nathaniel. And when he hears that Jesus knows where he is, when he hears what Jesus thinks of him, suddenly he says, Oh, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. 
and you're the king of Israel. Now, you may not realize theologically what you just heard, but what Nathaniel had dawned on him was the saving knowledge of all humanity. That there was somebody standing in front of him who was all God and was all man, and that he could save this world. That dawned on him in an instant. We're talking about a man whose perspective of the Messiah was off. And it wasn't just off because he was a bad guy. It was off because he had tried his best to figure it out biblically. And yet something there was off. And, and i got to go back to that point because people who do struggle with the biblical misinterpretation of who God is, um, well, I'll get to that at the end when I'm closing. Um, because I want to go ahead and close and get you out of here in this pouring rain that you're going to enjoy so much. going to your car. Um, and tell you that when you do see how He sees you, then you will see Him for who He really is. And then your perspective that you might have been in error on will suddenly come clear. Because something will wake up in you when you know how He sees you. When you know how much He loves you. When you know how much He adores you. When you know that when the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, that it's not asking you to jump up and down and pretend you're happy. It's asking you to look up into heaven and go, oh, what? you mean you have joy over me? Yeah, that gives me strength. Because the joy that God has for you is your absolute strength. And I just want you to leave here tonight understanding that He believes in you. He knows where you've been. He knows where you will be. And He knows that your eyes really do want to be open to who He is. Um, and tonight, I pray that that can happen. I, I don't know if you remember the story uh, that Plato made up, is to find out what He thinks of you. And so you've got to go to Him and be in the Spirit and say to Him, Lord, that preacher keeps demanding that you love me. And, and, and I'm telling you, Lord, when I read the Bible, I just don't see it. Because apparently I'm only reading it with my eyes. Apparently I'm only reading it with my mind. Because this thing makes me feel like I'm going straight to hell. Because you won't even hear my prayers. Because there's this thing I can't overcome. And I mean, I, I struggle with it every day. And if not every day, I, I get a couple of days of victory. And then I struggle again by the end of the week. And I, I, this says that I can. there's no more sacrifice for me. That I can quote scripture after scripture to you that people have brought to me that made them feel at our arm's length from God. As if God was holding them back. And I again, have stopped people like that and said, listen, if you can't read that Bible and gain a perspective from your spirit, why don't we take that Bible and put it on the shelf for just a little while? I know that offends some of you because you don't want to put your Bible away. But I'm telling you, Nathaniel had to put his Bible away. All that Bible knowledge was wrong. And he had to meet the real Jesus. He had to come face to face with a Jesus who knew where he was who knew what he was thinking, who knew who he was, and loved him enough to say, I know what you just said about me, but when I look in your eyes, I don't see any guile. I like you. I think you're, I think you're together. And I think that if you knew I was the Messiah, you would be all over it and want to follow me all the days of your life because I can see it deep within you. And tonight I want to tell you that God really does see that 
deep within you. He knows it. And if, if what you've been reading with your mind is not clear, tonight I want to invite you to see Him face to face, hear Him say that to you, and in as quick a moment as it happened for Nathaniel, I want it to happen for you so that tonight when you go home and you take the Bible off the shelf, when you begin to read the same passages, that suddenly they will show you the heart of the Father. They'll show you, and maybe you didn't have a father, which is why your perspective may be skewed. Maybe you didn't have a great mother who could give you that maternal heart of heaven. I don't know. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know why your perspective could be off. I don't know whether your perspective is off. And you probably don't know either. There's things that I don't know my perspective is off on too. But the only way I'm going to get it right is to get face to face with Him. And so I want to give you that opportunity to just stand and we'll pray together. And I'll ask the Lord to give you a face to face. Did I preach too long, Pastor? It's 8.07. Yeah, I figure we better get out of here at 8. But when that rain, you know, it's like waiting in your car at Walmart until the lull. We just got the lull. So I'm going to pray you through this and then let you, or I'll turn it back over to Pastor. He might want to keep you another half hour. But I think the rain has gone down. And he does have an announcement about the traffic. So if you would, let me pray for you. And bow your